Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast, the animated series. Joining me today is a man who's boldly going where he's never gone before, Jacob. Why, thank you. I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man who would more often probably say, live long, and oh boy, this is going to get complicated. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Drew. How are you doing, Jacob? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good. I'm kind of excited about the this new frontier we're jumping into. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, since this is the first episode of this little sub-series we're doing on the Cell Cell, this was not our original plan, but we kind of decided to go ahead and jump headfirst into this since we had a lucky here. Yeah, while, while the iron is hot. <laughs> very, very much while the iron is hot. Uh, we are starting to review television series because mm-hmm. the thing is... Animated. Lo- yeah, animated television series. While we love animated movies, it's only maybe... A third of all the animation content that we make regularly mm-hmm. or that is made, most of the stuff comes out on television. And that's where a lot of your, you know, since it's all kind of on a much lower budget than your movies are, right. that's where things tend to can get a little more creative and a little true sometimes. And uh, Star Trek Lower Decks coming out on CBS All Access happened to be coming up, and I'm a big uh, Star Trek nerd. No, you think? Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, we thought we'd go ahead and jump into this one. So uh, basically what our plan is, is we're gonna this episode is going to be what we call a prologue. Essentially, we'll just, we've just watched the trailers, the, the trailer and the sneak peek that they released for it. We're going to talk about the cast and trivia and all things. But before we jump into any of that, my question to you, Jacob, is what is your experience with Star Trek? Okay, my experience with Star Trek would go back to... Probably the late 80s into the 90s, because my dad had bought, I think it was all the way to Star Trek. No, on Well, Star Trek 6 would be 90, but. Yeah, 92, but, you know, roughly around, right, that, right. around that same time. I think it started at, stopped at 5, he bought 6 later on, but. Essentially the original 6 Trek movie. Yes, that, that's, where, that's where my experience from Star Trek comes from. And uh, I enjoyed the mess out of those films. Now, granted, my favorite out of those is. Too for for, mo- for, for most most people, um, I understand. Um, I think I've seen very little bits here and there of the originals. Um, Star Trek: Next Generation. I watched a little because my cousin and his mother were like, huge fans of it, mm-hmm. so I watched a little bit more of that. Uh, when we came to the uh, the Abrams verse, I really enjoyed those films for what they are, and um, I've seen little bits and pieces of Star Trek here and there. And maybe wanted to understand more about that that universe, mm. and yeah, that's basically my my history of Star Trek. All right, my history of Star Trek's a little more complete than yours. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. My earliest memory as a child is coming home from church 
to watch the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation we recorded the night before while we ate lunch. <laughs> Give you an idea as to how long I've been into this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, first, He's, he's the, been a Trekkie since he's a wee lad. Pretty much. Uh, so, of course, the first show I watched was Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, as I grew up, I got around to watching you know, pretty much all the original six Star Trek movies on home video. Uh, when D- Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise started, I was, you know, right there waiting for it. But, uh, looked, loved all those seasons. Uh, saw Generations, First Contact, uh, Insurrection, and Nemesis while they were in theaters. Mostly around my birthday, just the way those things timed out. Mm. It's always nice when that works out that right. way. Uh, and, uh... Over the years, I've watched, you know, the original series from here and there. I have not seen all, every episode of the original series. Just some, you know, you just has never come up. And I really do need to sit down and watch through the entire Blu-ray box set I've got. Literal jaw drop. Bonk. It's not that I don't like the original series. I love the original series. Okay. I've seen 90% of the original series. Okay. I'm just saying season three is tough. Okay. <laughs> There is a reason that's the last season. I'm just mm. saying they okay. literally were surprised they got got it to go that well. Okay, we'll back up. Star Trek: The Original Series went for two seasons and then it was canceled. And then in the '60s, mind you, mm. long before the internet and everything else, a success there was a successful letter writing campaign to convince NBC at the time because mm-hmm. they're the ones who were broadcasting it to bring it back for a third season. Problem was, NBC hated the show so much that while they agreed to bring it back, they put it in the time slot. They put stuff in that they wanted to die. Mm. So, Star Trek died after about after its third season, and Star Trek the Star Trek people knew it, so they there was less quality control going into what scripts they were using. They're just trying to get everything out. Gene Roddenberry, only the creator of Star Trek, yeah, only had one episode that he focused on, and that was his. Uh, that was a uh, essentially an undercover pilot, you know, or star a pilot in, an, in another show yeah. to see if people are interested. Literally, he did that with Star Trek with the uh, uh, Charlie X episode. It was for an idea for a show where a guy from a, a human from an alien planet would come back and make sure time went like it was supposed to. Right. And he used that episode of Star Trek, the next uh, the original series, to try it out and succeed for oh, obvious reasons. Yeah. But then, yeah, the show ended at the end of that third season with just enough episodes to make it into syndication. Yeah. Well, since it's no longer being shown at prime time hours and being shown to fill, literally designed to fill up a spot in the schedule, tended the original series tended to be airing when the people would really buy into the series or watching it. You know, mm-hmm. the people who would later go on to be Star Wars nerds. Yeah. If we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, so that's what got the show popular enough that they made an animated series, mm-hmm. which, to my knowledge, is still the most expensive Saturday morning cartoon ever made. That's what I hear. Mostly because of the cast, because it is the original series cast. Yeah. Um, except for Walter Koenig, the guy who played Chekhov. Yeah. Um, although apparently he did write an episode. But that's not the one we're reviewing. Uh, of course, then you had the movies mm-hmm. that were... The first movie was brought up because of Star Wars, because Star yeah. Wars made such a splash. Paramount said, what do we have that can compete against this? Oh, yeah, well, that old series Star Trek. We've got the Star Trek program that we've been trying to make a second series of. Why don't we take the pilot that they're working on and turn it into one big movie? It would spawn... Star Trek the motion picture. picture. 
And you know how goofy that one is. Just just a little bit. doesn't help that that movie was rushed to completion. So if you've yeah. ever watched just the theatrical cut, that is not the best version of that movie. Right. I highly suggest, if you can find the DVD, which I do have, watching the director's cut. Mm. It is a much better cut of the movie. Unfortunately, the special effects they did for that, since it was CG, they read it in CG special effects, mm-hmm. they were all done at four. And so they couldn't be upscaled to the 1080p or even 4K now. Yeah. Successful. So right now they're actually in the process of remaking all the special effects for, I think, like the 45th anniversary is what they're aiming for of that movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of, I think it's 45th. Could be okay. 35th. I don't know my timetables. Math is hard. <laughs> and so moving along, I w- when Star Trek 2009 happened, I was excited, as you can yeah. probably imagine. And when I came out of the movie, I was still kind of on that high. But as time went on and I watched it, I kind of mellowed out a little bit because it wasn't, you know, the second coming of Star Trek that I had hoped for. Yeah. Even though I loved my first viewing of it, it just wasn't what I was hoping for. And then Into Darkness kind of I wasn't too happy with. You wouldn't know that by looking at my wall. No. (laughs) And uh, I loved Star Trek Beyond. So I was a little iffy when Discovery started the second uh, which uh, Alex Kurtzman, you know, he was one of the writers for the, all three of those Star Trek movies. Yeah. He was then part of creating Star Trek Discovery, which was set in the Prime Universe, but it's got some differences. And I was a little worried about that, but halfway through season one, I was on board totally. I was ready to go. And then I hung around for Star Trek Discovery season two, which I enjoyed, mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Uh, and then, of course, Picard last year was so stinking good, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so when I heard about this episode, this show, Star Trek Lower Decks, being animated, um, and who the executive producer was and what he had done in the past, I'm a little bit skittish. Because okay. the, the guy who wrote this or who created the, this particular series is the same guy who does Rick and Morty. I kind of gathered animation style. Yeah. Uh, animation style, I'm fine with. My worry, especially with that one scene in the trailer, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. might get a little raunchy because this is not a kid's show. You no. You can tell this, is not, this not. was not designed for kids to be in the room when you watched it. So right. It's, I have a feeling it's... I have not seen a TV rating for it yet. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong spot. Yeah. But I just hadn't seen one yet. And I'm afraid it's going to come up like M.A. or something like that. It could be fine. Um, I'm going into it with an open mind. Okay. Because if I go in wanting to hate it, I'll probably find reasons to hate it. Oh, yeah. So uh, going into... uh, or We're going to go into the synopsis now, which the only synopsis I could get was the one that's on uh, the press release Mm -hmm. for the show. So uh, I'll read that right quick. Rarely going where no one has gone before, Star Trek Lower Decks focuses on the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, in 2380. Ensigns Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tindy have to keep up their duties and their social lives, often while the ship is being rocked by a multitude of sci-fi anomalies. Huh. Uh, I sh- at this point, I should point out that the name Star Trek Lower Decks mm-hmm. or Lower Decks actually comes from the name of the Next Generation episode by the same name. And five that up, but anyway, either way, um, and it's essentially show- t- focusing on four 
crew members on the Enterprise D going about their daily lives, just four little red shirts. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the basis of it is. But another way to look at this is, have you ever heard of the book Red Shirts? Yeah. You've recommended it. I have recommended it, and I love the book. And this, I have a feeling, is going to be on par with that. Kind of a a comedy looking at the people who were supposed to die in the first five minutes of the episode to show how serious the situation is before, without killing any of the main cast. Except we're focusing on the four people who should be getting killed. So, of course, yeah. Uh, The executive producers on this show are going to be uh, Heather Caden, Katie Krentz, Alex Kurtzman, Michael McCain, um, McCain, who's the head writer. Rod Roddenberry, which is the son of Gene Roddenberry. Oh, okay. Uh, Trevor Roth, and Trevor Roth, who's been help, who's helps been helping uh, Rod Roddenberry on a lot of these. Uh, cast includes uh, Eugene Cordero as Ensign Sam Rutherford, an ensign aboard the Cerritos. Rutherford is adjusting to a new cyborg implant. McMahon uh, compared Rutherford to Star Trek: The Next Generation character Jordy LaForge, saying they are both amazing engineering stuff. But Rutherford does not always solve the problem like Jordy because he is still learning. Uh, Eugene Cordero was previously on... He was on Kong Skull Island as the character Raylus, one of the Vietnam soldiers. Oh, okay. Uh, Captain Carol Freeman is being played by Don Lewis. Uh, the captain of the Cerritos, uh, McCann, described her as a capable Starfleet captain whose starship is not very important. Uh, in the television show Futurama, uh, Don Lewis played La Barbara Conrad. The wife of Hermie. Okay. You know who that is? Nope. Never mind. Moving on. Uh, Tawny Newsom plays Ensign Beckett Mariner, Ensign aboard the Cerritos. Newsom described the character as irreverent and someone who does not follow the rules, though she is actually very good at all things Starfleet. She just doesn't care and has been demoted several times. Wow. Newsom added that Mariner just wants to ride her skateboard and eat her piece of, pe- eat her piece of pizza in peace, man. Uh, Tawny Newsom played apparently Captain Angela Ali in the Netflix series Space Force. Oh, yeah, okay. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. Uh, Jerry O'Connell plays Commander Jack Ransom, the first officer of the Cerritos, whom McCann compared to Next Generation's William Riker if he was on speed and had less shame. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jerry O'Connell par- played the character of Quinn Mallory on the television show Sliders. Hmm. Jack Quaid plays Ensign Brad Baumler, an ensign aboard the Cerritos. Uh, Baumler is a stickler for the rules and will need to learn how to improvise if he is to become a captain one day. Quaid described the character by saying he would nail the written portion of the driving test with flying colors, but once it got to him being in the car, it would be a complete and total disaster. Uh, he, in the movie Hunger Games, Jack Quaid played the character of Marvel. I didn't know that person. <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul Shear plays a Lieutenant Commander Andy Billups, a chief engineer of the, the chief engineer of the Cerritos and the direct boss of Rutherford. Uh, and apparently in the Disney Channel original series, Big City Greens, he played Chip Whistler. Okay. Fred Tadasiori plays Lieutenant Shax, a Bajoran lieutenant aboard the Cerritos. In uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, he played Laws. Oh, okay. I, I, I never the, got their names. The so. big one that the other guy said t- t- cry. Oh, yeah. I'm not crying. Yes. Uh, Jillian Vigman plays Dr. Ta'ana, a Cation doctor and head of medical aboard the Cerritos. That's the cat. Wow. The cat person. Okay. Uh, 
McCann described her as a good doctor, but she is an unpleasant cat. Uh, the character was included because Acacian was in was the Acacian was included in the series as a reference to the original Star Trek: The Animated Series, which introduced them with the character of Imres. We'll get to that eventually. Okay. Uh, Jillian Vigman apparently played the character of Stephanie in The Hangover. Mm, okay. Noel Wells plays Ensign Devana Tendi and Orion Ensign in the medical bay aboard the Saratos. Tendi is a big fan of Starfleet who is always thrilled to be working on a starship. She is new to the Saratos at the start of the series and helps introduce the audience to the setting and characters. McMahon saw Tendi as acting like himself if he ever got the chance to work on a starship. And apparently Noel Wells played the character of Lord Dominator on Wander Over Yonder. Another Disney Channel original series. Okay. Uh, no, wait a minute. I think I've heard of that series. I've heard of it, too. Uh, it's from the same creator who made the very popular version of My Little Pony. Okay. Got it. After she left, obviously. Hmm. Putting this in the context of Star Trek as a whole. Okay. I put a little bit too much work into this part, I'll admit. Uh, a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, Baumler in that fake, uh, on that fake, that, that log he was doing, mm-hmm. states that the start date is 57436.2. That places it two years after Voyager returned to Earth at the end of Star Trek Voyager, okay. meaning the Borg are still recovering from the end of that episode. Hmm. The entire Borg species. Oh, okay. So that'll be interesting uh, if that comes up. Uh, is a year after Star Trek Nemesis. Okay. Which means Data died the year previous to this. Yeah. Romulans are kind of in a bit of a... Uh, don't have a new Praetor by the Okay. All week. But this also places it five years before the Short Treks episode, Children of Mars, which was the prequel to Star Trek Picard. That was the four Picard. Okay. That showed the Children of Mars. Synth. Rogue Synth. Okay. That sets the stage for that one. This also places it seven years before the supernova that would destroy Romulus, sending the crew of the Narada and Ambassador Spock back in time for Star Trek 2009. Yeah. And last but not least, it's set 19 years before the events of Star Trek Picard. Alrighty then. Yes, this timetable is good enough. I can make that much reference. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, good job with that. Okay, so now that I've talked for a long amount of time... What did you think of the trailers? Well, when I first saw the trailers, okay, this looks like Rick and Morty. Because obviously, because one of the creators is from Rick and Morty. Yes. Um, It's funny. It's got, be like, now granted, be like, with my limited Star Trek um, knowledge, as you will, there's some things be like, I'll, I'll probably miss and probably just get like learn and experience from. Don't worry. I will probably mention every single thing. You I probably notice. will. You probably will. Um, but I enjoy it. I'm not the biggest fan of the comedy aspect of it. Not the maybe the the style of comedy, mm-hmm. the style of comedy. It, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but I can I can work with it. Uh, I, I would than, like to point out just. I think part of the reason the trailer focuses on more of the comedic aspects of it yeah. is because they're trying to get people who think Star Trek is so stiff and upright that they won't try it. Right. That's my thoughts. I think we're still going to get a little bit of that Star Trek-style storytelling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As a part of this. Absolutely. Just, we're going to have more fun with it. Oh, yeah. But um, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the trailer. Uh, it's definitely got a lot more adult humor in it, and it's got a lot more adult situations in it. And so, 
I don't know. I, I would literally have to watch the first episode because more often than not with a movie that we will be reviewing later in our other another uh, podcast we do, movie that we podcast, mm-hmm. it's, red tra- it's Red Band trailer gives a totally different perspective of the film. Yeah. And so with this, we may be getting a, like, a slightly altered version of things. We don't know. Uh, how things are going to go for mm-hmm. this year, the show. So we're kind of there again, like everybody else. We're kind of just walking. We understand a little bit of the story, but overall, I'm kind of excited to see episode one, see what yeah. happens, and go from there. From what I've done on read on the researching of the show, because of course I've been following this show, I've I've been doing a lot of research over the last month, right? Since we decided to jump into this, uh, the. Executive producer and head writer that Mike Mike McCann, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Uh, he, while he is telling a more comp comedic story, he has said he wants to keep it in the Star Trek formula. He wants to keep it. Um, he wants the show to be to it, when the show needs to tell a more serious story, he's going to yeah. let it. But we're also going to have fun with it because he does not. He wants the show to remain canon, which means you can't just go completely bonkers yeah with an episode you do have to stay within the world building the shit the mo- the franchise has already set up now granted i think as a person my personal feelings i think between discovery season one and the abrams some of that has been weakened a little bit but i think we'll be fine uh i it looks like we're gonna it might it'll be a fun show i'm looking forward to giving it a shot and while I'm saying all that, I'm a little hesitant because I'm afraid, especially with that one scene in there. Yeah. I'm afraid if that's not, this is the only thing we could show that's like the true afraid of. Yeah. That there might be more of that kind of situation. Right. I could be wrong, granted, but I, as long as we're staying in like the Simpsons slash Futurama style, mm-hmm. which is the only two shows I can think of that are close to this. It probably will go Family Guy, but the pre-crash, the pre-first cancellation fact should be fine with it, too. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Family Guy, but at least I could watch everything up till they they got re- they got relaunched. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It could be fun. And hmm. I'm hoping that, if, if nothing else, I'm, look, I'm curious how this will affect the lore of the series. How it's going to bring everything in. And how it'll work with so much of the pre-established lore. I'm almost kind of expecting there to be a time travel episode at one point and they'll go back to somewhere else. Of course. But here's the other thing. They have three other shows that take place very close to this that they could bring in guest stars for. From they could. To continue those stories. I mean, there's only a few characters that definitely can't come, but... Mm. Or at least definitely can't come without some weird time travel shenanigans. Yeah. Which, for this show, doesn't look like it's completely out of the question. But right. uh, it, the show is, could be extremely interesting, and I'm curious how it, what lore changes we're going to learn from that occur during here that would have perhaps led up to Children of Mars uh, that will slowly move us towards what we eventually see in Picard as being the state of the universe. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's just where I'm at on Okay. That. So I guess that brings us to the end of this prologue of Star Trek Lower Decks. Join us next time for uh, when we review the very first episode of the show, Second Contact. That's going to be interesting. Yes. Let's see. All right. 
Talk to y'all later. Thanks, guys. So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.